Good morning, Hope Chapel. It's great to see all of you. It's great to be seen by those who are joining us online and uh, by our brothers and sisters down at Pleasant Street Baptist. And uh, it's great to have you all here this morning. A couple of you have mentioned that I'm a little dressed up this morning. It's not for you, all right? Uh, this afternoon, I've been invited to speak at the installation service of a new pastor. There's actually a church in Marlboro, the First Baptist Church of Marlboro, that has chosen to affiliate or connect with a denominational network that we're a part of. And uh, first time in, in their journey that they've chosen to do that. And they're installing a new pastor this afternoon, and he's asked me to come and speak uh, to their thing. So I told him, before, I mean, you must be really scraping the bottom of the barrel. How am I, well, was I number 20 on the list or what? You know, but anyways, I'm going over this afternoon. And just to show you how committed I am, it starts at halftime of the Patriots game. So, uh, anyway, so anyways, all right. Different story. I know many of you would just love to pray for our families and, and pray for people who are part of our church. And, and I want to take a moment to make all of you aware of the fact that this past week, one of our families, one of our elders' families, had a, a loss. Uh, Zashana Copeland's sister uh, passed away. Uh, her younger sister passed away um, early last this past week. And so the, the family's just kind of really reeling through all of that. So pray for Curtis and Zashana and their family and for Zashana's sister and for her mom and, and some others. It's just a, a, a difficult time. And they really would appreciate your prayers just to support them as they go through this journey. So uh, let me just take a moment actually and pray. You know, God, we just want to claim a promise today. You said when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to fear any evil because you're going to be with us. And your rod's going to be able to comfort us and to support us. And Father, I pray that that would be exactly true for the Copeland family, for Zashana's sister and mom, and for all the rest who are part of the, the network of close relationships uh, for, for her. And God, we just really pray for your peace and comfort. Let them grieve well, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I may have told this story before, uh, but I'm going to tell it again because it's just a perfect introduction to what I want to talk about today as we conclude our series on Stirred, the Basics of a Great Walk with God. And um, back in the summer of 1984, Christina and I got married, and we had come back from Texas. I had just finished my first year of seminary, and I was serving with a couple, just a regional group here, kind of getting my feet wet in the waters of ministry, if you will. And um, we were getting ready. To, we drove back to Texas two days after our wedding. And so that was our honeymoon, was driving a Volkswagen Rabbit across the country, right? At least it had air conditioning, because the first car we drove down there didn't have air conditioning. And we left it in Texas when we came home for that summer. And uh, this car needed tires. So I assumed, and I took it on faith, and my faith was justified that we would get some monetary gifts as a part of our wedding thing. So I went ahead and put new tires on the car. And while I had it in there, the guy said, well, you really need new struts too. So I put new struts on it. And so then he said, do you want an alignment? And I said, well, do I need one? And he said, well, maybe, maybe not. Right? And I said, well, how much is that? And it was like 100 bucks. Well, we didn't have 100 bucks. So I said, we just won't do the alignment. So we had these four beautiful new tires on there, right, on this Volkswagen Rabbit. When we got to Texas... The front tires were half bald. You just took the center in on both sides, and they were totally bald. The, the tires must have been like this the whole way down there, 2,000 miles, summer heat in July, right? Just gone. And, and, and 
you know, it, I was just like, oh, you know, and I hated that rabbit. And we drove it for three years. And when we sold it before we left Texas to come back and plant the church in, in, on the South Shore here in Massachusetts, I was thinking, thank you, Lord, I'll never have to drive a rabbit again. Well, guess what? When we got back to New England, right, we needed a second car as Christina got a job. And my parents were getting rid of my mother's Volkswagen rabbit diesel. And it had like 20,000 miles on it. And when we sold it, it had 160,000 miles on it. So don't tell the Lord what you don't want because you're going to land up with, oh, it was awful. Anyway, but I tell that story for this reason. When our lives are out of spiritual alignment with God, there's a lot of things that can wear down the spiritual rubber in our lives. And, and listen, you can't put it any more simply than this. To see this principle of alignment at work when God says, be holy because I'm holy. What, what is God saying there? He says, I want you to be in alignment with me. I want your purposes. I want your character. I want your actions. I want your desires. I want those to be in alignment with me. And one of the things that the Apostle Peter is aware of in his two letters to these Christians that he wrote to, and which we are overwhelmingly aware of today, there's a lot of things that come up in our lives that can knock us out of spiritual alignment. And so we've been tapping into Peter's encouragement. He's written to these believers twice. He knows he's repeating himself, so he makes it clear. He says, listen, I'm trying to stir you by way of reminder to a sincere understanding of the faith. He says, I'm telling you stuff that you already know so that you will have a sincere and aligned faith. You'll have a sincere understanding of what it means to actually live your life in, in alignment with God. And I've used multiple images to try to get that going in our heads, right? We, we talked about needing to do like a factory reset on the computer of our lives to get all the miscellaneous code that's sending into our lives out and, and get back into a place where it's fresh and clean, where we can really hear from God. You know, we've talked about stirring up paint, right? It can separate. It looks ugly. You can't even tell what color it is. But when we keep it stirred, it has all the vibrancy that we love to put on our walls, right? And, and today, this idea of just alignment, when we're not in alignment with God, things are just going to wear out. And our, and our spiritual journey is going to wear out with God. It, it, it's just not going to be the same. Now, Peter was writing to these believers, and because of their faith, life was getting really hard. They were starting to be ostracized by their communities. Their families were, uh, were um, abandoning them. Economically, they were being isolated in, 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 their, in their businesses. Their trade was just drying up. And, and, and in all of this, because they were followers of Christ, and so they wrote to Peter, really, kind of sent word and said, what gives? Right? What, why is this like this? And one of the questions they were asking was, some of this is that the organized authorities are encouraging this. Should we rebel against them? And he says, nope, you need to submit to the authorities because they're not going to punish you for doing good. And so you, you work through all of that. Our, our different forms of alignment can come in lots of different ways. For instance, and, and you probably don't have to replay a lot of memory banks for yourself to be able to pull this up, but, but in my journey, I've seen people who have a great walk with God, and then there can be one relationship change 
and they're out of alignment. Right? Or they, they can, they, all of a sudden, their definition of what it means to be successful changes. They're plugging along, they're doing great, they get a new job, and the next thing you know, that definition overtakes any other definition. And they're out of alignment. Right? Even our definition of what it means to have a good time can shift, and it brings us out of alignment. There's lots of different things, and, and that doesn't even have to speak about the the disappointments we have in our lives or the losses or the health crises or losing our jobs or whatever. There's all kinds of other things that can knock us out of alignment. But sometimes even just the basic stuff in our lives can knock us out of alignment. And Peter's passion that we've been looking at is that, listen, God, he says this in, in, in the beginning of his, of, of his second letter. He says, God has given you everything related to life and godliness. You can live your life in alignment with him you can be holy because he is holy. You can do that through your positional relationship with Christ, and I can't go back and review all of that, plus also the way we live our lives. So he said, because all this stuff is available, you have these precious promises which actually allow you to participate in the divine nature. He says, make every effort. And so we've been looking at the basics of what we need to continue to do to keep our lives in alignment so we don't wear out the rubbers on, uh, on our tires and then land up stranded on the side of the road in our spiritual journey. And, and so we've already reviewed a few things. And I'm not going to go back over all of these. They're all online. You can listen to them. They're on our website, et cetera. But we've looked at reading the Bible regularly. There, there is no way to know the voice of God so you can be his sheep who hear his voice and follow him, right? You can't do that if you're not reading the word of God. You've got to be a person of prayer. Doesn't mean you have to be the world's, but you just have to be talking and connecting with God on a regular basis. You do. Third, you got to worship. And we looked at that last week. Today, what I want to talk about is found in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'd love for you to grab a Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Should be a Bible underneath the chair in front of you or underneath you. If you're down at Pleasant Street, there's chair, Bibles in the back. And the text today for us is on page 1077, if you're using one of our pew Bibles, 1077. And that should be a clue to the rest of you who want to look in your own. That means it's way over at the end of the book, right? So if you get the revelation, you'll come back, you'll get through 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, and you'll come to 1st and 2nd Peter. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 11 today as our, our, focal, ver, our focal text. I'm going to start with verse 7 just to put it in context, and then we'll read, and we're going to focus on verses 8 through 11. Now, this is what God's saying to us through the apostle Peter. So God says, the end of all things is near. We'll come back to there. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. We've already looked at that a couple of weeks ago. He says, above all. If you've got your own Bible, that might be a great phrase to circle. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. 
so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Would you say amen with me? Amen, right? So here's the principle of alignment I want us to see today. We need, we need to be reading the Bible regularly. We need to be praying. We need to be worshiping. But we also need to be people who are regularly engaged in loving service. Now, how is that a principle of alignment? You know, Jesus said, I didn't, the Son of Man, referring to himself, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There isn't any way for you and I to be in alignment with the heart of Jesus Christ if we're not serving. Can't be any simpler than that, right? We can talk about lots of different ways, and, oh, I got this going on in my life, and et cetera, and, you know, this is just not my... You know, I, I understand there can be ebbs and flows, and it looks differently, but the orientation of our heart has to be the same as Jesus. Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And then he said, and as the Father has sent me, <laughs> so send I you. So the orientation of our lives to be in alignment with the heart of God with the holiness of God means that we have to be people oriented towards loving service. There just isn't any way around that. And you can see that in Mark chapter 10, or, or it's, it's really in all the Gospels, those kinds of statements. So I want to talk to us today out of this text about loving service. And, and the first thing I want us to talk about is the necessity of love. The necessity of love. Because here's, here's the thing, I think. If, if, if you and I can actually accept the fact that, that we need to have a passionate, what's the word he uses here? A constant love for God, for, for other people. If we can embrace that and truly know that's what it needs to be at our heart, and we want to do what's right in the eyes of God, we're going to find a way to be in love with people. But here's the reason why we really need to be doing that, Right? First of all, it's consistent with the nature of God. God is love. And so there's no way for us to be in alignment with God if we're not in love <laughs> with people. So, and, and you could look at 1 John chapter 4. It, it, that two different places in there, he makes a statement that God is love. He, you know, therefore, you know, and he says, so those who love others know God because God is love. And if you don't love other people, then you really don't know God because God is love, right? So for you and I to be in alignment with God, the reason why we need to have this love that orients us, draws us towards serving, is because it's the very nature of God. But there's a different reason why he also tells us why we need to have a deep, passionate love for people. And I don't want to burst your bubble, right? Because and, and, I, I know you said, but you know what? Sometimes people are annoying. And they can be hard to serve when they're annoying, right? And so if we don't love people, we're going to say, not you, forget you, you know, right? And, and, and annoying comes in all different shapes and sizes. You know, it's, it's like the person who gets in the passing lane on the highway doing five miles an hour below the speed limit, talking on their phone, and they won't move over no matter how many times you flash your lights. You know, right? Or it's the person when you're in a hurry at the grocery store, and I never go to the grocery store because I would be even fatter if I went to the grocery store. And, and, 
And, and, you're, and you're trying to go through the fast lane where there's 10 items or less, and the person in front of you has got 30 items in their basket. You know, there's that kind of stuff. But sometimes the annoying goes a lot deeper than that. There are people who are going to disappoint you. There are going to be people who betray you. Right? And, and you know, it's interesting, even just thinking through some of these thoughts, some of, the, some of the experiences that I've had through ministry just kind of started to kind of trickle back in. You know, you start to feel that a little bit, you know, with, with people who had broken confidences or betrayed or, or you know, or, or tried to undermine my ministry, you know, questioning motives and, and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and you have to ask, have I really forgiven? Right? Have I really forgiven? You know, because it, it, it can be hard to love people, right? Uh, you know, I, just an experience. The, the thing, you know, this is, it can get really hard to love people. It, you're pouring into somebody's life. You finally think that you got them connected. They're connected to the body and et cetera. And, and then they call you and say, I, I, I'm going to go to a different church. So what happened? You know, the, because they got berated by somebody else about their spiritual integrity because they belong to a different political party. And, 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 and just to me, first of all, you're, you're, you're annoyed with the person who's leaving. Say, that's one person out of 400 and you're going to leave. Come on, you know? And on the other end, it's like, I, and, and, and it's, it's hard, right? It can be hard. I, I'm not trying to depress you, right? <laughs> you, you, most of you live with somebody, so you know how easy it can be at times to find people annoying. And that's why Peter says, you need to have a constant love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It's what allows us to look at somebody and say, you know what? You're annoying, but I'm going to serve you anyways. <laughs> right? And it's just absolutely necessary. We're not going to be able to do it if we're not reflecting the heart of God. And listen, this is what God had to do. While we were yet sinners, while we were still the enemies of God, Christ died for us. Jesus could look out in the on, from the cross and say, these are the most annoying, frustrating people on the planet, and I'm still dying for them because he loved them. And that's the absolute, you're never going to be the servant if you don't have that love because you're going to find all kinds of reasons to say, forget you, forget you, forget you, forget you, forget you, and then your world's going to be pretty small. So there's the necessity of love. I also want you to see a couple of dimensions of this service that he talks about here. And, it, and it's interesting, you know, the, the latter one's kind of easy to get to, right? As each one has received a gift. That's the spiritual dimension. We're going to get there in a minute. But notice what he says up first. He says, be hospitable to one another. You know, and I've, I've beat my drum before about hospitality. We we generally don't like to entertain people in our homes because we make a huge deal out of it, right? It's going to be the best meal we've made in five years, and the house is going to be cleaner than it was when we first moved in, all that kind of stuff. You know, listen, if you wanted to invite me over for Sunday lunch and all we had was cereal with bananas on it, I'm okay, right? And if we did that kind of stuff, we would entertain a lot more. We would practice hospitality. But that's not what he's really talking about here. I want you to think about the context for just a little bit. This is the first century, the early part of the first century A.D. And, and the church literally survived on hospitality. Without it, 
there really wouldn't have been any kind of a mission movement. And here's why. The, the, the preachers of the gospel, and the book of Romans tells us, right, they're not going to hear unless somebody's sent, and there's not, nobody's going to, you know, and so they have to be sent, and those people actually have to go. And when they go, they're going to some place where they don't live, right? So that's how it's spreading throughout the Roman Empire. When they got into those communities, they got into those cities, the only, you know, the, they needed a place to stay. And I will tell you, the first century Airbnbs were known by the three Ds. They were places that were degenerate, dangerous, and dirty. You just didn't go into a city and say, where's the local inn that I can stay in? Because it was degenerate, right? It was more like a brothel. It was dangerous. It's a good place to lose everything you have or even lose your life. And it was dirty, right? So you didn't stay in those places. Besides that, it was expensive. So these missionaries would come into a community, and when they found a person of peace, they would stay with them. And they didn't just stay for a couple of days. They'd stay for a couple of months. And we have cases in the Bible where they actually stayed for a couple of years. And, and, and so without that, there are no missionaries moving around the planet sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no new churches being planted. And the gospel is being contained to a local place. The church, the mission of God moves forward based upon hospitality. Secondly, the first church building that we have evidence of in history was well after 200 AD. So for the first 200 years at least, and probably for the majority of churches for three to 400 years, they worship together in people's houses. So every Sunday morning, they threw the doors open, and people came in, and they worshiped, right? And, and so, and that went on for 200 years. A few years ago, right, I, I, I think it was like seven, eight years ago. It might have been closer to 10. I went down to, to Worcester, and I, and I spoke at the 175th anniversary of Pleasant Street Baptist Church, Right? And imagine that they were, st they were 175 years old, and in the context of the New Testament, they'd still be at least a quarter of a century away from their first building. You know, we're talking about a church that was formed before the Civil War, and they still wouldn't have a building today. And all that time, they functioned because people said, you can use my house. You can use my house. Now, what's the principle he's saying? He said, the stuff that we have it's supposed to be available to God to be used to, to move the kingdom forward. Right? It's supposed to be used to move forward to, to, to spread. So, you know what? If you have a car, offer to give people rides. If you got a cell phone, use it to make calls to encourage people. I got a call this week. I was meeting with somebody. Somebody called and we left a message. And you just want to say, hey, you know what? I just want to encourage you. That, you know, this, uh, wonderful. So use your phone for that. You have that phone for a reason, right? If, if you've got a vacuum or a broom, <laughs> right, show up and help clean. You can just go right on down the list, right? If you've got a home, especially if it's big enough to enter, open it up for a life group. Use it for other kinds of meetings. And the list just can go on and on. Everything that we have, including the money that's in our bank account, is supposed to be available to God for his glory. And so... 
there is this natural form of service. But then there's also our spiritual form of service. And again, I wish we had a lot of time to chase all this stuff and et cetera. But, but the overarching message of the New Testament is when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God takes residence in you. As you are in Jesus, God also takes residence in you. And that is in the person of the Holy Spirit. And with that, you receive a spiritual gift that's supposed to be used to deploy. So that's why he says, as each one has received a gift. It could be the gift of teaching or preaching or evangelism. It could be the gift of service or of faith or of administration and et cetera. He says, whatever it is that you've been given, you need to use it, right? Right? Verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. It's not for you to hoard and say, hey, look at the gift that I got. It's for you to be <laughs> giving it away, right? And then he goes on to say, and don't, and if you're going to be using that gift, make sure you're doing it in the right way. If you're speaking for God, you better make sure those words are coming from God. And if you're serving, you need to be doing it in the strength that God provides because a kind of service that really has an impact is enduring service. You know, I thought this week, again, as I was developing this, there's a couple of people on our Thursday morning cleaning team that come in to get our building ready for the weekends. Some of them have been doing it for over a decade. They show up every single week and clean, right? It's marvelous stuff. It, it, it takes endurance. He's saying, your service, motivated by this necessary love, Man, you've, some of it's just the natural stuff. It's just the opportunities you have, the stuff that you're given, the background that you have. Just the nat- And some of it is spiritual. I said, man, make sure you're using it to serve other people. If it's not pointed outward towards other, it's pointed in the wrong direction. And so, and so the questions really to be asking is, am I doing this for God? Am I doing this from God? Am I doing this with God? Right? Those are, the, those are the three things. Last point. I, I want you to see the fruit that comes from serving. And, and the first phrase I want to use is that we actually seize or maximize the opportunity that's available for us. I could look at this a different couple of ways, but out of this context, notice how he starts verse 7. He says, the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. So he's not saying that there's a huge planet-killing asteroid on its way towards the planet right now. That's not what he's saying, right? This is not, you know, uh, Armageddon or whatever the kind of movies. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is that God, God, before God created the planet and brought the first person into existence, God had a plan where human history was going to culminate in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And what Peter's saying is that God's gone through his checklist, former people of God, bring them out of the exodus, right on down the line. It's virgin birth, perfect life, die on a cross as a sacrificial lamb, resurrection and ascension. All that stuff has been done. The Holy Spirit has come. All that has been done. The only thing that's left to be done is the return. And Jesus says, you know, just take a look around. The, the fields are white under harvest, right? <laughs> and it says, so go. And says, when you and I engage in loving service, we are actually seizing the opportunity that God has provided for us as his people. We can go out and share the good news 
and turn people's lives around. It's a powerful thing to do. Here's the second thing I want you to see. And notice what he says here as he reads along. He says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as God's words. If anyone serves, let him serve with the strength that God provides, comma, right? And he goes on to say, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When you and I lovingly serve others with what we have and with what God's given us, and we're doing this in alignment with God's heart, what happens is God, the, the people get the chance to see Jesus and know what it means to live in alignment with him. We, there's actually that we are the light of the world. They get to see that, and they begin to move their lives towards that light. Right? They can, they, the God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, and to him be the glory right? and the power forever and ever. So when you and I actually lovingly serve, guess what happens? People get to see God's glory, and they know which direction to head. And that may seem pretty hard for us to appreciate when we're slogging through a Wednesday you know, hump day at work, and it's like, how does, how, does, how does trying to be a loving servant in the midst of this make any difference at all? God's glory is seen. God's glory is seen. So let me wrap up our series, because we're going to start a new one next week in Ezra and Nehemiah, which is a great compliment to Daniel for those of you who are around. I, I want to I use 2 Peter chapter 1. beginning with verse 3, just to, to, just to make a, a, a twofold invitation to you. His divine power, God says, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his, by his own glory and goodness. If you've not accepted what God has to offer, related to life and godliness, my invitation to you today is to accept that offer. His divine power has provided everything required for life and godliness, and it comes through knowing the Savior. And my invitation to you, as a part of living a great life with God, is to know the Savior through faith. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you never said, you know what, I need a savior. Because I can be one of those annoying people from time to time. And I know I've annoyed God a few times along the way. And I need forgiveness. Understand that that forgiveness comes only in Christ. And he turns us into brand new creatures. And I invite you to place your faith in Christ. And if you're taking that step today, I invite you to grab one of those cards that's on the back of your seat or go to our website, to our Connect card, and just, and just say, you know what, today I embrace Jesus for the first time. Today, I put my faith in Christ, and we'd love to have a chance to follow up with you. Here, here's, let me read on. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason... Because God's given us these promises so that we can share in his divine nature. We can actually be holy, right? Escaping everything in the world is trying to knock us out of alignment. He says, for this very reason, make 
every effort to supplement your faith. And my challenge to you today is to supplement your faith through reading the Bible regularly. Talk to God in prayer. Worship him and serve others with love. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to use your words through the Apostle Peter as our closing prayer. As he said in chapter 3, verse 18 of his second letter, may we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Join me as we stand and sing our final song, and then we can get outside and enjoy this beautiful day that God has given to us.